Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. And I think for the first time ever, we've got four people on the podcast because we're bringing on uh, national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, uh, Greg Biggins on the show, longtime guest of ours. Greg, how you doing? I'm good. You know, I wasn't sure, you know, about coming on with Jared being in the mix now. Oh, I thought that was, no. you know, four might be a little too many in the, many in the booth, but uh, I'm only kidding. It's good to talk to you guys as always. So we figured it's a good time. Spring football is over. Recruiting kind of shifts into the full focus for college programs across the country. Um, good time to kind of reset things from a recruiting standpoint. And we're going to bring you on to get the full scoop on just your thoughts on Oregon and just recruiting in general. Um, and before we dive into the, I guess, the 2023 cycle discussion and beyond, um, I wanted to get your thoughts just on this coaching staff because we haven't had you on since Lanning was hired um, and all the assistants were filled. Certainly a lot of hype, some big names with big success from a, an assistant coach standpoint from recruiting. Combine that with Oregon's reputation and, and their facilities, et cetera. You know, I think on paper, this should be a combination that works out pretty well. But just from your perspective, Greg, what's just your thoughts on this staff? And what's a fair level of expectation year in, year out, recruiting-wise? I mean, recruiting-wise, I think they're going to kill it. You know, I've, I've seen a bunch of those guys this week, you know, at different college showcases. You know, saw Tosh and Coach Martin yesterday. And I think everyone's pretty fired up. You know, I think, uh, you know, just talking to, to those guys. And I, I think the belief is they can win a national championship at Oregon that they wouldn't have come otherwise. So, you know, it's a, it's a really aggressive staff. Dan Lanning as the head coach. I would say the head coach kind of has to set the tone. And, you know, Lanning was always a very aggressive recruiter as an assistant, um, much like, you know, Mario Cristobal was. So I think he's going to kind of bring that same level of, you know, do I, I don't, do I call it passion, intensity, whatever term. Uh, and, and then the staff he hired, like every single one of those guys, you know, from, from Clem to Dillingham, I mentioned, Tom, I mean, the, the whole group, man, they're, they're pretty passionate about, you know, getting after it and, and enjoying the chase and, and being that real you know, active grinders, just really, um, you know, some, some coaches kind of viewed as a necessary evil. I think this Oregon staff kind of likes it and I don't think they care where a kid's from or, you know, I when I talk to one of the coaches, they use the word gettable. You know, we don't care if he's gettable or not. We're going to have our board of the top players and go after those guys and make them tell us no. So that's the philosophy right now. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I think I think it's it should be perennial top 10 classes for sure. Uh, from what I'm, you know, that, that's that's kind of my, my guess right now. Greg, I guess we'll delay the talk of 23 and beyond because I want to ask about a couple of guys who've recently committed to Oregon um in kyler casper and josh connerly and uh, i think we had a discussion last fall about ty thompson and his recruiting ranking and how you kind of told us that was a projection long term but you, you weren't sure if he'd be ready right away and with casper and connerly both being obviously connerly a five-star casper a top 150 guy 
those are lofty recruiting rankings. From your perspective, do those feel like guys who can be contributors sooner than later? Or, or are you thinking with those two, that's probably further down the line that they'll be um, able to help out? No, no, I think I think they can both play now. You know, I think Josh gets in the two deep, and I don't know Oregon's depth chart as well as you guys do, but just I think he's a kid who goes anywhere in the country, and he's in the two deep. You know, and I think if you're one of the top ten, you're going to play as a, as a freshman. So he's super gifted, man. I think he's got everything. And for for linemen, that's probably the maybe linemen and quarterback. Those are the two spots that are probably hardest to play, especially if you're a tackle. But I think Josh can do it, man. He's got every single thing you could want. If you were to, you know, kind of describe what you wanted in a, in a tackle in terms of the, the size, the length, athleticism, the toughness, um, you know, the, uh, you know, just the, you know, the ability to be physical and mean and nasty. I mean, I think he's got it all. Then Casper's an elite athlete. I mean, he has some of the, you know, if you for if you're bored, man, just go watch some of his basketball videos of him dunking and. It's, it, you kind of just see the athleticism. You know, he's a big kid who catches the ball pretty naturally. Great bloodline. Um, you know, the gene pool works for him where he understands, you know, football and how to prepare and, and all that. So I, I definitely see both those two guys playing this fall. Greg, I'm going to ask you another uh, from your perspective question real quick. Um, just from from my perspective as a novice, I thought it was pretty impressive that Oregon was able to get a new staff and end up with the top recruiting straight only recruit class in the in the Pac-12. Just from your perspective, what was what was the message that was sent by this Oregon staff to come in and you know in January after the national championship game and come in and, and land Connerly and land Casper and land the Pac-12 number one overall class? Yeah, no, it's huge. You know, I think landing Josh was was pretty eye-opening. And, you know, you guys know the story, not even in his top five, right? Yeah. And c coming in late and then, you know, rallying like they did. And and obviously, you know, he had some connections there. I think Vianney Talamavau should should get a huge assist. He was one of his lead recruiters for USC, where we all thought he was going. And then Adrian Clem is a closer, man. He's always been one of the better, you know, O-line recruiter, O-line coach recruiters, you know, in the country. So I think Dan Lanning can kind of come in and, you know, he's got a, a nice, shiny, you know, national title ring that he can flash to kids. So, and I think Oregon's such a strong brand already. So it's one of those schools where the name brand recognition is already there. And so if you have coaches that are going to work hard and now you have a staff where not just landing, obviously, I think Tosh has a ring and, you know, a lot of success on that staff that they can kind of show kids that, hey, you know, we know what it takes to get there. Um, you know, we want at this level and we've sent players to the highest level NFL. So, I think it's a pretty easy sell saying that, you know, still landing that number one class was, I mean, I don't, they were very close to keeping T-Mac and, and that was, I don't know. I mean, that, that was, that was a really tough decision for him referring to, to Terrell McMillan for those who aren't sure uh, who T-Mac is, but I mean, obviously long time Oregon commit backed off done deal for Arizona, but you know, Oregon staff gave him a lot to think about. So just, you know, I think it's a staff that doesn't really take no for an answer, man. They they just are relentless in how they approach it. So when you kind of combine some of the natural advantages, the the tradition, track record, and just, you know, how aggressive the staff is, I think, you know, I think it shows that, uh, you know, they're going to be extremely hard to recruit against. Going to go off script here for a second. But, Greg, it feels like um, Oregon's one of those schools where you don't have to have the reputation to be – of being an elite recruiter prior to getting here. It's just the effort, right? Like, mm -hmm. if, is, that, is that your assessment of Oregon? Because there's there are some names on this staff that don't have the Tosh or the Lanning 
um, or, or the, the coach meet reputation um, or Clem. There are some guys here, but we, we've seen it in other staffs at Oregon where like a Ken Wilson, for example, at Washington state was not high on the, the high, you know, the rankings of the coaching list. But once he got to Oregon and he put forth the same effort, you know, it's kind of a combination of the two where you, you, you recruit well because you put forth the effort and you've got the facilities at Oregon to, and, and everything that comes with being at Oregon. And it's like a match made in heaven. Is that a good accept, uh, assessment of Oregon? Like, you don't have to have a past history of being an elite recruiter to be an elite recruiter. I mean, I don't think you have to have the past history. I think it helps. Yeah. But but saying that, and I don't want to name what school he came from because it would be insulting to them. But one of the coaches I saw, you know, I said, hey, man, I, I go, you, and I kind of pointed at his, his Oregon logo. I go, how much easier now is it to talk to kids that you can, you know, that you have that? And he's like, dude, you wouldn't even believe it's night and day. And this is a guy who came from a power five school. So it's, uh, you know, the name brand alone is huge. And like you said, they, Oregon does such a great job on their visits, getting kids on campus. And, and they're immediately going to be wowed with the facilities and locker room and all that good stuff. So um, do you have to have a big name or, or be known as this great recruiter ahead of time? You know, no. I, again, I think Oregon kind of sells itself. But, you know, to say that, I, I think it does help. You know, I think Atosh Lupoy comes in and people immediately know who he is. And. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, I guess you could say. Um, oh, go ahead, Matt. Going to this cycle now, um, 2023, Cal has always been a hotbed for, for Oregon, for the Pac-12, but I think you've been one of the, the biggest voices here. It's open now for schools across the country, too. We're seeing more and more schools come into California, making Oregon's job to recruit here even harder. Who, who right now in California do you, do you feel like you're not? I'm not going to say you're you're saying these guys are going to end up at Oregon, but who are some guys that Oregon's done a good job with in, in your perspective? Oh, um, man, just off the top of my head. I mean, I'll just keep it like, you know, topical. You know, David Peavy's a guy just did an article on yesterday. He's yeah. a San Diego Lincoln kid, obviously, right? So I think when you mention a kid from Lincoln, you immediately think of Jalil Florence yeah. and Jalil Tucker, um, who they just signed, you know, Roderick Pleasant is uh, one of the top corners in the country, probably the fastest player in California. And I think right now it's, I think Oregon's in a really good spot. And I definitely think they're going to get a, you know, minimum, they'll get an official visit out of him. And then, uh, you know, I, I think they're probably at worst in his top, you know, two, three, um, you know, Mateo, um, a top five, top 10 player nationally. I think Oregon is at worst in his top two or three. Um, gosh. Um, you know, Roderick Robinson, yep. another kid from Lincoln, he's giving them a hard look. Um, you know, I'll be honest, it's not a great year for talent sure. in uh, California this year. But just those are just some of the, you know, highline headline guys that I that I know are really, you know, like them a lot. And, and Oregon likes them as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back with Greg Biggins. We'll continue this discussion on Oregon Duck football recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audibles podcast, and we're going to continue this discussion with 24-7 Sports' Greg Biggins about Oregon Duck football recruiting and recruiting in general across college football. I think it's always important to find a quarterback in every class, and Oregon doesn't have one right now, and several of the big ones out west have already kind of found other homes. I'm, I'm curious, first off, kind of how would you assess where Oregon is at right now with guys like a Jaden Rashada? I know Dante Moore is outside of your recruiting range but in terms of proximity, but obviously you're familiar with him. These are some names Oregon is familiar with. But I also wanted to kind of pose a question on um, Aiden Childs, who Oregon offered a couple of days ago, and you broke that story and had some information from him. But do you think Oregon's in a good spot at that at the quarterback? And, and kind of tell us a little bit more about Aiden. So Aiden is for me, um, and I and I this may sound might sound insulting to him, but it's not. You know, he he's a, a long term guy. I think you know he started at Los Alamitos playing behind Malachi Nelson, who's pretty good at, at football. So you know he he, he transferred out of Los Al after his sophomore year, went to Downey High School, and then we had you know the five year you know five game COVID deal, so he didn't get to play much as a sophomore. And then junior year, he played like three or four games, played really, really well, then got hurt and missed the rest of the season. So he's he needs reps. He needs development. But he's a guy with a lot of tools. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Justin Martin, who signed with UCLA, UCLA last year in terms of just, you know, the frame, the size, the length, the arm strength, the athleticism, you know, the way the ball comes out, uh, you know, big personality, super fun, lovable kid when you talk to him. But, you know, does he come in and play right now? No. So that's kind of the eval for him. But, um, I, you know, I would say Oregon State's probably done the best job recruiting him. He's got an official trip lined up. But obviously, you know, getting offers from Washington and Oregon back-to-back days was huge for him. And, you know, he'll take a visit to Oregon. Nothing set up right now. But I think he'll trip to Oregon and UW. And, and like I mentioned before, Oregon State's already, you know, got a, got a visit. You know, the, the offer was interesting to me because – Obviously, I think they're probably in the top three for Jaden and for Dante right now. So you, you might want to say, hey, you know, do, why why offer another guy when you're kind of doing, you know, pretty well? My, my thing, if you're in the top two or three for a guy, um, maybe, you know, hold on, you know, just stay with that recruitment before you add more players to your recruitment. But, you know, quarterback is different. And, you know, it, it might be a situation where they take two in this year's class. Maybe they, you know, would be happy to take Aiden knowing that if Dante or Jaden wanted to come still, neither player would be afraid of Aiden, right? If, if Aiden did want to make an early commitment there. So I think it kind of works out that way. But, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, you know, th- those three guys, all pretty gifted, talented, uh, you know, top three for the, you know, the two guys that I think are top, you know, five nationally. And then Aiden, I think, is a long-term guy with some talent. And, um, you know, the offer makes sense. I, if, if, like I said, you know, you, you probably, if you commit him now, um, you probably still will not turn down Dante or Jane if they want to come later. Greg, I think one of the main concerns with some Oregon fans were the lack of West Coast connections for this new staff, including Lanning himself, come from the Southeast. Um, just from your perspective, how do you see like Oregon going after California and West Coast kids? And what is it uh, also 
you know, how, how often do you, I know this is a little bit out of your coverage range, but like how often are they attacking the Southeast as well? And do you think it's more or less than it has been in years past? And just, you know, how, how, how good are those connections becoming in the West coast as of today? Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're connected, you know, Lanning there, I would didn't even know about it, but there were several players out West that he's, you know, already, people already knew him and, and high school coaches already know him as well. Cause Georgia was kind of becoming a bigger factor. You look at their roster and there's four or five California kids on the Georgia roster and, and Lanning, you know, even though he did, wasn't maybe their specific coach, but he was involved in their recruitment. So, and then I already, you know, talk, you know, Tosh and Clem and, Coach Martin, all those guys. Dillingham was heavily involved, even though he was at Florida State. Dillingham was heavily involved in, in some of the California West Coast recruiting. So that's not a concern. I, I, honestly, like I mentioned before, you know, one, one of the coaches said, you know, we have our board and we don't care geographically where those guys are from. And, and right now, it kind of pains me to say, but, you know, California isn't as, um, it's not the hotbed that it used to be. And I think there's more talent in the South. Um, for line talent, there's, it's much greater in the Texas Midwest area. So it might just be where even though Oregon is in the West Coast, they're going to recruit nationally. They're going to, you know, cherry pick the top guys from the West and Southern California, Northern California specifically, San Diego specifically. But, you know, if it's a kid from California versus a kid from Florida and the kid from Florida is rated higher on their board, that's they're going to go after the kid from Florida. So they don't care geographically, man. They have they truly believe that with Oregon, with what they can sell, um, whether a kid's from close to home or if he's, you know, from New I Rhode Island, New Hampshire, they, they don't care. You know, they, they want the best guy and, and they'll go after him. Greg, what are your thoughts on just state of Utah and the state of Arizona and the prospects that are coming out of there? Because I think you go back five, six years ago, um, Oregon maybe gets one guy a year from Arizona, maybe. They don't really even hit the state of Utah all that hard. Um, and now it's, 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 yeah, they're not signing six, seven guys every year from those states, but their offer numbers from players in those two states are significantly going up. Just your perspective of just the talent in Utah and the talent in Arizona that that's starting to come through, it, it, it feels like we're seeing a big upswing. Yeah, no, I think it's good. There was a couple of years ago where Arizona, I, 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 again, my brain fog is bad right now. I haven't had my bang energy drink yet this morning, but <laughs> it might have been like two or three years ago. I think the top ten players in Arizona, I would have taken over the top ten in California. And obviously, wow. that was that was that was you know, um, cyclical. If I'm using that word right, cyclical, yeah. cyclical. You know what I'm saying, right? Yep. It, it doesn't happen every single year, but Arizona is good. And I think Utah, again, if you want linemen. You know, I'm a big fan of those big Polynesian kids, as you know, you guys probably saw the Sewell brothers. Yep. You're probably a fan of them as well. So Utah is filled with, with quality linemen every year. And, and I think, you know, for skill wise, Arizona is excellent. You know, California is always going to be California. But I think those two states are, are definitely states that you can go in and try to take, you know, a couple of players every year. There's always going to be at least at least, I think, 10 quality players that are power five, pack 12 level kids from both those two states. And I, and I would throw Hawaii in, too. You know, I think Hawaii is very, very good. I'm biased. Um, you know, mom was born in Hawaii, so I love those guys <laughs> over there. But, no, I mean, you can go watch Kahuku and, and St. Louis, and you're going to see, you know, at least 10 guys on the field in that game that can play for just about anybody. And they, they play with a different level of ferocity. And, uh, man, I just love the toughness and, and how those guys get after it out there. So Hawaii is another area I would expect Oregon 
to continue to recruit. They always kind of have, but I think those three states are all going to be, um, you know, states that you'll see Oregon recruit from. Greg, this is going to segue, I think, kind of nicely. I want to. I just was going to ask your assessment on Oregon's three verbal commitments right now. Cole Martin out of Arizona, Jurian Dickey out of San Jose, California, and then I might butcher the last name. You can help me correct it, but Tavita Pome uh, out of Leighton, Utah. Two of those three guys are from Arizona, Utah. You just talked about the, kind of the caliber of player. Can you can you assess all three of those guys and, and kind of what you what you like with them? And I don't know if you want to get into if you think they can be immediate impact players, but just kind of what you think their progression to being uh, contributors would be like. Yeah. So I mean, Cole Martin is a kid that I've literally known for a long time, um, just because I know his pops, and so you know he was when he was young. You know he was kind of small, more of a track guy at that time, and then as he's you know, kind of started to grow and, and football became his love. You know, real quality nickel slot corner, looking for a player comp. I, I don't know if he's as good as this guy right now, but uh, I'm a big Clark Phillips guy who's hmm. at Utah and I think it's going to be, you know, potential three and done over at Utah. You know, Cole's similar in size, similar athlete, um, kind of a similar similar pedigree, uh, you know, to be honest. Um, both of them kind of played, come out of that little pro way family. You know, out here you hear, you know, Ground Zero Premium, but Proway's other big seven-on-seven seven, uh, slash train organization. Uh, that's where Clark came from, and, and Cole, obviously, you know, uh, you know, his pops, Demetrius Martin, is is super close with those guys. So, you know, we, we grew up with the dad as a coach. You're gonna kind of have just a different level of feel and instinct, I think. Right? It's, I think things slow down for you because you you've kind of been there, done that. He's already been on the field. He's already seen college-level athletes. You know, he's been in the in the film room with his dad. He has a, a understanding of it, but he's a, he's a quality athlete, really quick. Uh, again, mentioned the track background. You know, during on Dickey, it's kind of funny. We have our Wednesday recruiting meetings, and he, he's a little bit low in the composite. We have him 59, and the discussion was, man, do we have him way too low? Because everybody really loves him. Mm -hmm. We're going to see him this weekend. Huff and I will be out at the Oakland Under Armour camp. And, I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to eventually push for, for top 32 five-star status. He's exceptional. Mm -hmm. There's really not a knock on him. You look at the, you know, the size. He's all of 6'1", 6'2", and 205, 210 pounds. So he's got the size, the length. Um, he's got long speed. He's got short area quickness. He has strong hands. He competes. You know, the, he, he dominated last year at the opening as a sophomore. And that was, you know, against guys that were juniors. So, you know, he's competed in big events and always done well. He's got productive tape. He's got the measurable measurables we like. He's got the speed and quickness that we like that translates. So he has a, a game that translates really well. There's really nothing we can find in him where you're going out. Yeah, he needs to really, you know, work in this area. And, and don't get me wrong, every kid needs to work in every area, but I'm saying there's no real weakness with him. And then Tavita, you did a really good job with that name, by the way, better than I could. You know, again, he's one of those Utah kids, right? Utah kids, you know, big old Polynesian D linemen. They're hard, hard to find out West. It's hard to find quality interior D linemen. So I think Tavita is that guy who, you know, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily comes in and plays right away. Um, again, I don't, that lot, so much of that is dependent on the depth chart, which I don't know as well as you guys do, but I do know that he's, he's very capable, you know, six, three, three fifteen, big bodied inside guy that can move around pretty well. I would kind of compare him maybe to, um, like a Keon Ware Hudson, um, kind of a similar body, similar playing style. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Keon's going to be a contributor and, and played a lot already. So that, that would probably be my player comp for him, but in a good pickup, I think you can never, never have too many big interior D linemen. Greg, I think one of the most important members of, of Oregon's recruiting class is Marshall Malko, who's the chief of staff there. Just 
What have you seen in his importance into Oregon recruiting in 2022 and the later half and into 2023? And how do you how do you think he'll become even more important down the road? Yeah, you know, I, I have yet to meet him. I haven't had a conversation with him. I, I know most of the other guys on the staff and have talked to him. And um, but I, I, you know, obviously uh, we are. I guess you'd call it. Um, you know, we're, we're Twitter friends, right? If you follow each other, right. you're twi Twitter friends. So that's the extent. But no, I, I heard nothing but good things. He, uh, you know, I think he is going to be an impact guy for sure. And, you know, someone who I, I think every staff needs to have a guy like that. So I, I think he, he's quality for sure. And I look forward to meeting him at some point down the road. Greg, just looking at the landscape of recruiting now, and this is the last question and we'll get you out of here with this. Um, NIL, it, I was talking to a coach a week and a half ago about how he's, he was telling me how you, you have to bring up what you can do from a branding, from, from an NIA standpoint, you know, right away. That's one of the first things that recruits ask where it, it's a basketball analogy here. And, but five years ago or four years ago, whenever it was, when Oregon was recruiting bull bull for basketball, they were one of the only schools out there talking about, Hey, we can do this for your branding. We can help you, you know, start start your profile type deal um now it, it becomes almost the, the 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 forefront of of everything how much do you feel this is just kind of the wild wild west no one really knows what the market is everything is just kind of finding its its balance then it'll even out or is this where where college football is 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 going where nil becomes maybe the most important factor for where a kid chooses not every kid but it, it's becoming more and more common no i, I think it's definitely going to be a huge factor you know my phone was kind of breaking up so i missed your basketball analogy unfortunately because i love basketball analogies so i'll have to assume it was a good one but i think <laughs> I, I was just telling someone how it was it's it's been kind of a radical change i think it might have been talking doing an interview with um you know Kanzano who 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 said you know hey five five years ago people asked about you know depth chart and it was about yeah your relationship with the coach and, you know, the head, the stability of your head coach and maybe academics, maybe location factored in, you know, but it was, Hey, I want to play. I want to develop. I want to go to the NFL. I want to have a good coach. I like, but now it is NIL. What, what can I get? And it, this is exact. It wasn't supposed to affect recruiting. It was supposed to be, Hey, for the guys that are on a college campus, let, let's take care of them, which I was totally on board for. But I said immediately, I go, I guarantee you, this is going to seep into recruiting and it's going to become, you know, a case of, you know, the rich getting richer and the schools that have these big budgets and have big alumni bases, they're, they're going to, it's going to be pay for play. And that's exactly what's happened. And so I think now, you know, they're trying to pull it back a little bit. NCAA is trying to pull it back, but you almost kind of feel like, you know, Pandora's box has been open and it's going to be tough to, to kind of pull back. And even if they try to regulate it, how do you prove if someone actually is doing something and if they're doing it, you know, it's just it's going to be hard, I think, you know, checks and balances. So I do think that the, kind of my long winded way of saying I do think NIL is a major, major factor. And I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, we're talking Oregon. It's going to help Oregon. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it helped them with Connerly. So, I mean, you can sit here and, and say, oh, you know, what's going on? And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, Oregon or Oregon fans are complaining about it. But I'm saying like, hey, for, for schools that have, you know, a Nike connection or an Amazon connection or a FedEx connection out in Tennessee, like schools like that, you know, are, are definitely going to benefit. Assuming you have, you know, a, a situation where those, those, you know, boosters or whatever are going to be on board with helping. Um, I, I think it's going to be a huge factor in, in where the top hundred to 
maybe shoot, maybe even like the top 300 kids go to school. It's going to be a major factor for sure. Along with the portal, portal recruiting. How is this for a story? I was again talking to a lot of college coaches and I actually threw this out there and one of them agreed and laughed because he, they had the conversation. There's going to be, you're going to, the real money sounds like it's coming from the portal, right? This guy's going to the portal yeah. that you're basically seeing, okay, if you're this level of recruit, you're getting this much. And if you're this level, you're getting this. And I joked and I said, Hey, you know, we're going to start seeing kids commit to schools strictly so they can go into the portal in a year. So pick a school that you think you can play at. Maybe you don't love them, but you can go to a school, play right away, kind of increase your NIL stock. And then just for the sole purpose of going into the portal. And then all of a sudden now, now it's almost like for agency where you can kind of pick and choose your deal. And so it's not even going to be, I'm going to pick my school that I want to be at for four years and go to the NFL. It's I want to go for one year, get in the portal and make some money. Like we're going to see that, which is going to, which is wild to think about. It's, it's a different time, and we'll end it with, as Notre Dame's basketball coach Mike Bray said, I think last week for all the coaches out there complaining about it, is that they get paid a lot of money, and they need to adapt or they need to die because they're not going to yeah. be able to succeed. So uh, it's going to be interesting times. Greg, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate your op- your opportunity to talk with us and your insight. It's always great, and we'll have you on uh, down the road as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg.